Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the football show here on WMUA Sports on WMA Amherst, 91.1 FM. My name is Jesse Kolak and I'm your host. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. For those of you who listened last week, you probably know why I'm laughing. For those of you who didn't listen last week and you're wondering why I'm starting this out cracking up. UMass is back, baby. UMass football will play this fall. On Sunday, on Sunday, September 20th, I recorded a 30-minute spot. I talked about the Big Ten coming back, what it meant for the Pac-12, and then why UMass hadn't come back yet. I said, well, hey, even if they don't come back, come back in the spring, you get a full semester to get bigger and stronger and practice and train. Maybe they shouldn't come back in the spring, you know? Just wait till 2021. And don't play. Take a year. It's a free redshirt year, right? Totally makes sense. One year to get everybody bigger and stronger, get the offense and the defense just fully locked in and loaded. The install is perfect chemistry-wise. Great. Totally great, perfect idea. And then September 21st rolled around. And probably about an hour before my episode was going to go on air, UMass said, hey, we're back. Oi. <laughs> but uh, my pride aside, this is very exciting. UMass is back. They will play football this fall. How many games is unknown? When is unknown? Against whom is unknown? But we know that they will be back. Uh, I was in a call that past Monday with a bunch of other journalists and reporters and Ryan Bamford, the UMass Athletics Director, Coach Walt Bell. Got to talk to them about a lot of different stuff. I think one of my favorite moments was Coach Bell talking about when he got the call to that they were going to play again. Yeah, I mean, Ryan called yesterday at 10.15-ish, 10.20-something in the morning. It was in the middle of a mid-diaper change. <laughs> and uh, put the baby down, handed, you know, handed Charlie to Maria, and then uh, kind of drove up here and went to work. I think of everybody related to UMass football, Coach Bell is definitely the most excited person that football's coming back. Obviously had that massive quote in the athletic about a month ago when they announced football wasn't going to happen, but he is very excited and he was very excited to be able to tell the players that, you know, they were coming back. They'd be able to play football again. I mean, shoot, I'm excited. This is my senior year. For those of you who don't know, hopefully some of you have been following along with me making my way on the station, but I'm glad that we get to call a few games before the season comes to a close. Would have been really, really sad not to be able to do that. But how long will the season be? Of course, is the big question. Well, we're not sure. Bamford did not have a solid answer. Obviously, a lot of pros about being UMass. For one, they weren't expected to be a dominating team. So, you know, if you're a uh, solid, if unspectacular group of five or a uh, mid-tier power five school, it's an interesting schedule. Be, uh, because, you know, you can get UMass on the books and you think you're going to win pretty well, so it makes you look better for the uh, 
seeding and bowl games, but it's not an FCS game, so it actually counts. This is also, of course, Massachusetts. So they've been taking the coronavirus pretty seriously, and that means that the health regulations you mess is up to them. If you come to Massachusetts, maybe you're not going to have fans in the stands. That's fine. You know your players are going to have a better chance of being healthy. And if UMass comes to you, then once again, those players are probably going to be pretty healthy. Bamford said that, you know, pretty much as soon as they announced they were coming back, he had a bunch of different ADs talking to him, saying they were interested in playing. He has said that, you know, UMass is definitely trying to play teams they were already scheduled to play this season. There were definitely more than a few Conference USA and Sunbelt games that UMass was looking to play. Those are, are probably going to be the first schools that Vampert tries to uh, talk to about playing. Just because that makes just easy contractual settlements, you know. Otherwise, if they don't play this year, then you have to look at money. You have to look at, okay, we need to play another year so that we both can get this game off our books. If you play this year, that's all settled. You don't have to worry about it. But he definitely said there's a lot of teams that are reaching out to him. A lot of interest. They're probably going to shoot for between three and five games this season. And they could come back as early as October 17th. But most likely they'll come back in four or five weeks or so. Which is good because, as Bell pointed out, you know, they've had a lot of time in the weight room. Which is great because, uh, you know, getting guys to have a really good solid conditioning and weight and nutrition base is very important. And he actually said that was one of the biggest silver linings uh, for this whole time off was that you know they had, a, they had a great recruiting class 25 guys that's full up but at the same time these are all true freshmen who are ex- a good chunk of them are expected to play real minutes right so or not all of them are true freshmen but still it's a lot of guys you expect to play real minutes so by getting them in the weight room and having them all that time to, to just get stronger get bigger that's invaluable what isn't invaluable is the fact that because of safety restrictions, you know, they're not doing a lot of actual practicing drills, right? They're, they're keeping everybody kind of away from each other. So offensive line and defensive line blocking and rushing drills, you're not doing that. Secondary drills, you're not doing that. So those kind of chemistry guys getting really, really close together, one another, that type of stuff, they're not doing that as much. They did almost none of that, actually. I think he said they had one of those kind of practices like once a week. So that is going to be the biggest challenge for them, A, doing it safely, and B, doing it enough so that guys, you know, get used to the physicality of the game, right? Because if you don't hit anybody for nine months and then you have to hit people for 60 minutes all of a sudden, that's not going to be an easy jump to make, especially for 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I think two of the biggest questions, of course, were, you know, why'd you come back now? And how's money going to work, right? Because UMass is going to have a couple of home games. They're not going to allow fans in the stadium in, at McGurk for safety reasons. So, you know, how's money going to work? You're probably, UMass most likely will not be playing any Power 5 schools um, because the Big Ten and the SEC aren't letting anybody play non-conference opponents. And the ACC is, but BC is, play, uh, is playing Texas State, or they played Texas State, actually, at the time of this recording. So, they used up their one non-conference game. 
and the Pac-12 just announced they came back, but we still don't know what they're going to do, and it, it feels unlikely that they would play somebody in the Pac-12, and I don't think they have any real schedule schedule for the Big 12. But for Bamford, it was more just about not wasting money. You know, you already have these funds allocated. You might as well use them. Uh, you know, people are, uh, you know, our, our travel budget, for instance, for football this year was around a million dollars. And obviously we haven't uh, used any of that yet. So, you know, we're, we're not going to exceed anything from an expense standpoint. And hopefully, you know, we're not obviously going to meet some of the revenue expectations we have either. So we're going to be mindful of our expenses, but those didn't weigh in here. You know, we're, we're in the business of creating opportunities, competitive and otherwise for the young people in our program. And that was at the end of the day, our top priority in making this decision. And of course, the other big question was why now and not the spring, right? Because UMass had initially said, we're going to try and come back in the spring. You've seen other, we've seen the FCS talk about wanting to come back in the spring. Other divisions say spring for other fall sports. They've been talking about the spring. So why now? The competitive opportunities in the spring did not look as favorable as they do now to play some games in the fall. And so that was that really came into focus over the last week. And once that did, combination of those two things made it easy uh, for me to request that we, we move ahead and play um, games uh, at the end of this, this fall season. I think that's interesting how he said it, you know, competitive advantages. The idea that they're, it's not just that there are potentially no games to be played in the spring. It's that we're actually going to get better opportunities to win in the fall, I think is kind of the hidden message here, you know. If the FCS does come back in the spring, well, okay, if you, you if you lose to FCS teams, that's a horrific look. And if you beat a bunch of FCS teams, it, you know, it's not really saying anything. It's like, okay, you're an FBS program, even in year one, because everyone always says college coaches, year one is actually year zero. But, you know, in Walt Bell's second year, you beat up a bunch of FCS teams in a weird COVID season. Like, congratulations, nobody cares. So I do think it's interesting that he's talking about you know, competitive advantages. And I do also think that means that they're not just going to go out and play kind of really good G5 schools, you know, group of five schools, that they might actually try and put together a legitimate schedule where UMass may not win, but they at least have a good chance to compete and, and be very competitive. Which I think is, you know, for Bell at least, all you can really hope for. Forget the coronavirus for a second, right? You went one and eleven last year, and to give them some leeway, I mean, it was a bare bones roster, right? They had very few scholarship players that were healthy or playing. They had seven true freshmen starting, and it probably it was going to get a little better this season, but not much better in terms of just depth and experience. So, but you know, being able to play actual other teams, kind of in and around the UMass level. In the fall, I think, yeah, that's a really, really good opportunity for this team to at least just test themselves and see where they are. You know, you play five games, you go two and three, you go one and four, fine, whatever. You know, the season was never really going to matter in the first place just because of COVID and you're only playing half a season now and you're still very early into, into Walt Bell's rebuild. That's fine, but at least, you know, you have a couple of test games to see where you are. Okay, how are these rookies? How are these freshmen? Do they stand up? Do they not stand up? These guys who started a bunch of games last year because of injuries, are they real pieces we can build around? 
Or do they play a lot of minutes just because we didn't have anybody better to play, you know? One, perhaps for, for big, long-time UMass fans, one unfortunate note, though, is that uh, UConn most likely will not come back. So no UMass-UConn game this season. UConn, it seems, is definitely going to sit this one out. And I mean, you know, that's their prerogative, and they're an independent, just like UMass is. So it definitely makes it more difficult to schedule games. I was definitely impressed, though, by Coach Bell's response to this question. Touched on it earlier about how important it is that the players take it seriously and that they haven't taken it seriously, quarantining, not going out. But, I mean, you know, you're kind of looking at a four-week home stretch here before you can actually pay. How important is it for these players just to stay put, to stay the course, and not to go crazy so that they can uh, play football? No, I mean, as I alluded to earlier, it's the only chance we have to play football. You know, and uh, you, know, you look around the country, um, you know, you see games get postponed. And obviously, we fought really hard to get to this point, you know, and it would be a shame if, um, you know, your worst nightmare is you, you do all this work, we get in a good condition, and then leading up to a game, something happens. So we, we, we've got to be incredibly smart. Um, we've got to stay very vigilant. Um, we can't get complacent. And we've got to continue to, uh, you know, try to fight both fights. On the topic of player health and safety, three players have opted out. Per the players' request in their own privacy, we have not been, we were not informed during that call. So Coach Bell will not tell us. There also was one player who tested positive, but once again, HIPAA regulations, we don't know who they are. They are quarantining. So the team is trying to take care of that. Interesting to note that Coach Bell actually thought that recruiting during the pandemic was almost a plus. The staff is relatively young, they're more technologically fluent. So, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, actually not really Facebook at this point, but just understanding social media, how players reach out and use it, doing Zoom calls and Zoom recruiting and, you know, online campus tours and stuff like that. Just very much a, a positive for younger, a younger and uh, more technologically uh, savvy staff like the one at UMass so that they could still try and recruit and develop a team for next year, even during a pandemic. I'm going to take a little break right now. Hope you guys are enjoying this. Make sure to stay tuned right here. Keep it locked. Don't change it. Dial. Don't switch out of this tab. WMUA Amherst. This is WMUA Sports. I'm Jesse Kolodkin. Keep it locked. I'll be right back. I'm glad we had the big first half to talk about UMass football. Hopefully you guys are uh, enjoying this. I'm going to switch tracks a little bit, stay on college football, but just talk about the college football season, sorry, not season, week four that just took place. Kick it off with what looked to be an amazing game, turn into a late win for Florida, number three ranked Florida, take on... Ole Miss, Ole Miss Rebels, 51-35, Florida won. But for a while, it was going back and forth. A lot of credit to Lane Kiffin in his first season with Ole Miss. They put up way more of a fight than I think a lot of people expected. Story of the game, though, Kyle Trask. 30 for 42, 416 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Man went off. For Florida. Very much looks 
like he could be a kind of Joe Burrow scenario. And I know, hey, don't jump down my throat just yet. I know that's that's a tall order, but the way that he kind of came in, he had some good games last year. Joe Burrow had some really good good games in 2018 before he just exploded in 2019 with Joe Brady and a loaded offense. Florida has a loaded offense, especially, especially Kyle Pitts, tight end, eight receptions, 170 yards, 21.2 average, four touchdowns in this game, four. He's the top projected tight end in the in pretty much every mock draft. He might be one of the top just skill position players in every mock draft. Absolutely crushed it. They did not have a single player with more than 10 rushing attempts. Crazy. Kyle Trask absolutely crushed it, took over this game. Florida 51-35. They're now ranked number three. We'll talk about the updated rankings in a hot second. Give credit to Ole Miss, though. They definitely tried. They definitely came back late, just too little too late. You know, they, they got down big at half. Matt Corral, 22-31, 3.95, three touchdowns and a score. Very good game for him. Jerion Ely, 16-79 for 79 on the ground and a score. Elijah Moore, keep an eye out for this guy. Number eight, 10 receptions, 227 yards on the day. Went off. Florida could not stop him. Definitely look for him in Ole Miss this season. I, think, I don't think they're going to be a... Uh, Great team, but definitely could be a team that surprises some people. And actually, we'll talk about this later. UMass might be able to get into a bowl game this season. Believe it or not, it, it could happen. UCF beat East Carolina. UCF was ranked 13 at the time. 51-28, they won. Very, very uh, solid win for them. I mean, they they were dominating up until garbage time against these Carolina Pirates. Dylan Gabriel, 32 of 47, 4 of 8, 4 scores. That's all you need to say. They had two receivers over 130 yards. That's crazy. Auburn was not so crazy, and for a while, they looked really like a team that's about to lose to Kentucky. Kentucky. They won 29-13, but for a minute, it was 50, I think it was 15-13 at the half. It was very, very much a close game up until late. Bo Nix managed to pull it out. He was 16 to 27 for 233 and three scores. He also had five rushes for 34 yards. So, you know, helped keep things alive on the ground. Definitely a uh, gritty but shaky start for him in his second season. A lot of people expect him to uh, really just take over the SEC now that Tua's gone and Joe and Joe Burrow's gone, of course. But he is a true sophomore. So definitely look for him to develop. That being said, Auburn for sure has a has a clear path to SEC dominance, with the exception of Florida, who I don't believe is in their division. Texas Tech, another team that had a near upset. They lost 63-56 against Texas, who dropped a couple spots in the updated rankings. Uh, that was a wild finish to a game. Sam Ellinger, 27 of 40, 262, five scores and a pick. It took them an overtime to beat Texas Tech, who completely just fell asleep at the wheel at the end there. They 
were dominating for so much of this game in the third quarter at one point. They were up 42 to 38. Just, they were so far ahead. It did not make sense. They were up by, I think, 14 at one point. And then they lost. Overtime, 63-56. Texas came alive. Or, less came alive as as Texas Tech just completely imploded. Give credit to Alan Bowman. 31-52, 31 of 52, 325, five touchdowns with three picks was the big difference in that game. Texas Tech, though, Red Raiders definitely look like they could have some oomph in them this season. We'll see what they we'll see what kind of noise they make. A team that isn't making noise, a team that forget near upsets. Oh, legitimate upset. Kansas State, of all teams, beat Oklahoma 38-35. Unreal. Skylar Thompson. Who's he? 18 to 25, 334 in his score. How about that? Deuce Vaughn. Four receptions, 129 yards. I'll take that. Came back to win. Down once again. Down multiple scores. Actually, in fact, Oklahoma at one point in the third quarter was up 28 to 7. Did not matter. Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma, 30 of 41, 30, 387, four touchdowns, but three interceptions. They threw three picks. They choked. They choked. 38 35, they lose that game. They dropped 11 spots in the rankings. And for good, no, sorry, not 11, uh, 15, I want to say, 15 spots. They dropped a lot in the rankings, and for good reason. You shouldn't choke against Kansas State, especially for a team like Oklahoma that. Has consistent college football playoff expectations. Lincoln Riley, what's going on there? We do not know. I don't know if that's the biggest upset of this past week. It's one of them. But Mississippi State taking on LSU in LSU and winning? Unreal. Mike Leach in his debut game with the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Tiger Stadium. Number 6 ranked LSU. They are now number 20. And Mississippi State is now ranked 16. 44-34, Mississippi State won that game. Hell of a performance from K.J. Costello. 36 of 60. 60 attempts. Keep in mind, he had 35 attempts in the first half. That's Unreal. I believe that's a new miss. Those are both Mississippi State records. 36 to 60, 623 passing yards, 623 passing yards for an SEC quarterback. Are you kidding me? That is an SEC record, and that is the 11th most passing yards in a game in college football history. Five touchdowns and two picks. He also somehow had five carries from negative 38 yards. So, you know, you give and take, but you'll take you'll take the yardage. Osiris Mitchell, 7 for 183. Kylan Hill, 8 for 158. Javante Payton, 6 for 122. Three receivers over 120 yards combined for three touchdowns by themselves. Incredible. LSU, I, I mean, you have you had to expect them to take a step back after Joe Burrow left. Joe Brady left, and a lot of people say that's the reason why Joe Burrow looks so good. Joe Brady's had a great offensive system. 
They lost Justin Jefferson. They lost Clyde Edwards-Lair. They lost a couple of big guys on defense. Patrick McQueen, I think, was one of them. But, like this? This was shocking. Miles Brennan, 27-46, 345, three scores and two interceptions. It's a good game. It's not, it's not that kind of a game, though. Not to mention, Jamar Chase is not playing this season. He's opted out. So that definitely that definitely stings for them. Alabama, Missouri looked like a little bit of a close one. Then Alabama pulled out 38-19. No surprise there. Same with Cincinnati and Army. It's an ugly first half of their game. Picks galore, fumbles. No one really got anything on offense. Cincinnati quarterback, uh, Kyle, sorry, not Kyle, Desmond Ryder had an ugly first half. Just was missing guys left and right. Had a dumb interception, but bounced back. Give him credit. 18-33, 258, two touchdowns and a pick. Helped them win that game. Black Knights could not get anything going on the ground, which obviously is their bread and butter. And, I mean, the, nine, the fact that they threw 21 times, completed nine of them. When Army throws 21 times, you know there's an issue. Georgia, Arkansas looked good at, in the first half. Arkansas definitely looked like they were going to pull out a stunner. 7-5 to five was the first half score. Unreal. The fact that Arkansas was up. And, I mean, okay, you let up a safety. Whatever. But they were up 7-5, to five, which is just such an absurd score in football. And, and especially today in college football where, you know, scores are supposed to be 40-35. to 35. But 37-10, Georgia pulled it out. Stetson Bennett, which is... Not only the greatest Southern name of all time, that is one of the best college football names of all time. Stetson Bennett? Are you kidding? That is a Hall of Fame name right there. 20 for 29, 211 and two touchdowns. Fun game for him. Dewan Mathis, not a good game. He got benched for Stetson. 8 of 17, 55 and a pick. Not what you like to see. Kirby Smart benched him, started Bennett, or put Bennett in. And I think we can expect Bennett to start next week. Felipe Franks for Arkansas. 19-36, 200 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Could not get it done in the second half, and that was the end of the game for Arkansas. They allowed 22 points in the third quarter to the Bulldogs. They only put, put up three, so that that, that kind of ended it there. Florida State got ended by Miami. Holy crap, 52-10. to 10, They got run over with the truck. Of course, the biggest news now is that the Big Ten is coming back. How did the college football polls, how were they affected? Clemson's still number one. I don't think anyone's really shocked at that one. Alabama's two. They move up a spot. Florida's three. They stay put. Georgia's four. They stay put. Notre Dame is five. They move up from number seven. Ohio State moves up to number six. They were not ranked, which actually means that they had the greatest just single-time move of all time to go unranked to number six. Auburn moves up a spot from eight to seven. Miami, Florida goes from 12 to 8. Texas goes from 8 to 9. Penn State becomes 10. They weren't ranked. UCF goes to a number 11. Like the fact that there's a group of five school there looking looking to try and maybe creep their way up into the college football playoffs. That'd be really cool. UNC of all teams, number 12. Oregon's number 14. And LSU, of course, dropped to 20. But very interested to see how the Big Ten shakes up these college football rankings and the college football playoffs come December or January and how their seasons are going to be adjusted. 
I think that's going to be it, though, for uh, this episode of WMUA Sports, the football show. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this. Hopefully, you guys, you're enjoying this, even though these are pre-recorded. I know it's not as fun. It's not as fun as for us, too. But very happy that UMass football is back. I did promise to tell you why UMass could make a bowl game. The NCAA, excuse me, not the NCAA, the FBS competition committee will meet in October because uh, it was advised that they remove the restrictions on needing to be 500. So a team could go 3-8 and eight and still make the playoffs or a bowl game. So UMass plays five games, goes 2-3, and three, something like that. They could legitimately make a bowl game, which I think would be one hell of a treat. This is, of course, still up for debate. The FBS competition community said because of the season and how weird everything is and how teams come back and forth, players dropping out, you know, you shouldn't have the same standard rules for you got to be 500, da 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 so and forth. Academic rules do still apply. The teams still have to follow the academic requirements. But you don't have to be 500 to make a bowl game. And the FBS oversight committee is going to vote on this in October 13th and 14th, I believe. That's when they they meet October 13th and 14th. They're expected to vote on it then. So around then we'll know if they accept it. But in the meantime, it means that, you know, for teams like UMass that come back later, for teams that probably are only going to play eight or nine games if you're only doing interconference schedules, you're not going to do the full 12, it, get, it you know it gives them more leeway to make bowl games. So that would be fantastic if UMass won two or three games and made one of the bowl games. That'd be really, really special. Just what a great way to end off such a short and, and weird season and just to help uh, this football team really rebuild as they head for the future. But I'm going to leave it on that positive note. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. Hopefully your Monday and the rest of your week goes well. I'm Jesse Kolakin for WMA Sports. Stay safe and take it easy.